And welcome everyone to another episode of the Mind Sculptors Podcast. I am your host, Callahan. We have so much uh, to talk about today. It's been a crazy week. I was in the ER. <laughs> um, we've had uh, two new uh, Neoform targets for Tassiger get spoiled this week. Uh, all these different things. Uh, it's been a wild week. So excited to have you in with us today. Um, joining us uh, today, uh, he's not a Batman villain, although I've been told he might be, uh, is uh, my good friend Cobblepot. Cobble, how you doing today? Doing well. Good to be here. Yeah. And uh, rising from the ashes, as his name uh, implies, he hasn't been on the show. It's been a while since you've been on. I think it was uh, the the last time we had you on was uh, the MLC episode with Scoots and all of them is, uh, you know, probably my best friend out there right now is uh, my good friend Phoenix. Phoenix, how you doing today? Good to be here. Glad to be out of the shadow realm and back. <laughs> In front of the mic. It's, yeah, we're, it, it was, we were talking about how we hadn't had you actually on an episode in forever. And I'm like, you're like one of the most active, active people in our community. So um, we're back uh, for for those of you who are wondering. I know I, I talked about this on Twitter uh, some uh, earlier last week, uh, but I was in the ER. I have been dealing with some some health issues Feeling a little bit more positive about it today than I have in uh, some past days. Got some good news from doctors. Uh, but uh, so just as an update for people, uh, I said this in the tweet. If I don't seem like myself, it's probably because I've been feeling out of it <laughs> for the last month. Um, it's crazy uh, what met, how just tiny imbalances can mess you up. Um, but speaking of tiny imbalances, we're going to be talking about some imbalances that are going on in our format right now. And, uh, everybody loves, everybody loves to hate to talk about it, but I think it's conversations that are worth having is this conversation around bands and cards that should be bands. And so what I did for this week's episode is I came to you guys, um, and I said, so hypothetically, Let's say Sheldon, Toby, those guys, they all come and they sit the three of us down and we say they say we want to make sure that CEDH is healthy. We want to make sure that it is balanced. We care about that deeply. And I do believe that they do you know, care about CEDH and wanting it to be fun and balanced. Um, and so. I said, if they came and asked you today, what are three cards that need banned? Um, and we came up with three cards. And so starting us off, we all two cards. We're just going to kind of get two of these cards out of the way uh, real quick, uh, because all three of us said Dockside Extortionist and Cobble. Uh, before the show, I was kind of explaining some of my reasoning for it. Um, I was comparing this card to primeval Titan almost. Uh, what is your kind of, you know, because in my estimation, it's like 
games are so warped around it to the point where it's like, I want to copy your dockside, my dockside, bounce it. People stop playing Psychrift because it doesn't bounce dockside, right? Um, so in your estimation, what what is going on with dockside? Why should it be banned? Why does it fit into that kind of uh, the 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 reasoning that the RC kind of looks for for what a banned card should look like? So one thing just to get out of the way, um, this is all a hypothetical exercise. And yes. to be honest, I, I don't think that there's anything that, that needs to be banned in the metagame currently. I'm, I'm okay. And, and there are definitely imbalances in the metagame, but I don't think that there's anything sufficiently egregious to require a ban in order for us to have a positive experience playing cedh mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing that comes close to what flash was doing to the metagame <laughs> that said um if we wanted to improve it right these were so, the cards that we kind of looked at dockside extortionist is the greatest ritual i think that has ever been printed i mean you you could you could say channel man there are some legacy players out there who are just shaking their fists at you (laughs) in the context of commander yeah in the context of commander and especially the uh, high power echelon where people are powering out fast mana and you can expect people to have uh, their you know mystic remoras and their carpet of flowers and you know their libraries and and all these different things and anticipate as early as, you know, turn two being able to dockside for five or more. Sometimes Uh, it's a very explosive card. Um, I, I, I think the analogy with primeval Titan is it's, it's, it's accurate in some ways, because yeah, it's yes. not a perfect technology at all. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, for with Primeval Titan, you people want to steal it as well. And right. you don't really have that dynamic happening with, with Dockside. Well, but, and I think I, I had a conversation with Ian last night um, where we, he and I were talking about this. Um, and kind of, kind of what I said, I, I can't remember if he said it or I said it, is a great example is like, look at Phantasmal Image, right? Would Phantasmal Image see nearly as much play as it does if Dockside doesn't exist in the format? No, not at all. Exactly. I mean, there, there you go. Like, right. Like, I yeah. think that is kind of the, 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 the that's the Gilded Drake of the primeval Titan dealt with. Right. Sure. So. To talk a little bit about cards being ban worthy and so on there's a list of criteria the rc has in place for the things that they consider when determining the the ban ability of a card and uh, that includes things like causing severe resource imbalances uh allowing players to run and just win out of nowhere uh, preventing players from contributing to the game in a meaningful way uh, anything that causes other players to feel like they have to play certain cards, even though those other cards may also be problematic. Um, cards that are very difficult for players to interact with 
or uh, cards that interact poorly with the multiplayer nature of the format or specific rules of commander Mm -hmm. or cards that lead to repetitive gameplay. So let's start checking off the boxes. So (laughs) severe resource imbalances. If you can get check mark, right. I mean, if if the floor most of the time is that you're, you know, going to net two mana, but generally net much more than that. Uh, This, this card, I would say is probably the largest contributor besides the banning of flash to the second coming of Adnaz being a dominant force. Um, it's, it's huge to be able to power out either ad nauseum or peer into the abyss. Those, those types of, you know, big haymaker kind of plays. And it also insulates you from a lot of the hate that would hold back those aggressive decks in the past. So hate being uh mana base kind of, uh, restrictions as far as blood moon effects right. or you know uh winter orb kind of effects in this yeah, particular I don't think case anybody plays winter orb effects like at all anymore right it's right because it's ineffectual because um it, it just makes dockside give you more um really and the fact that dockside is two mana means that even if you only untap one land you can play a land and then play dockside right. and the fact that Blood Moon makes your mana red so you can cast Dockside <laughs> and then be able to fix your mana with the right. Dockside. It it has just completely warped the the speed of the format and kind of the 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 texture as well as far as what strategies make sense and what strategies don't. So as far as repetitive gameplay, it You've got you've got people who are playing Phantasmal Image, and you've got people who are playing Snap, and uh, Phoenix a, a ton is of the other progenitor of that nonsense. <laughs> right, you can thank Phoenix for that one. I argued for a long time. <laughs> right, so people, it as soon as the dockside comes down, everybody's trying to somehow gain value off of that dockside, and people are anticipating. And that other people are going to be playing Docksides. So they've got ways in their deck to be able to capitalize and grab value from other people's Docksides. Well, I mean, or- hell, I mean, in Lavinia, we play Phantasmal Image because, I mean, I mean, quite literally, we play it in there because, like, it can be Docksides. <laughs> like- right. It's definitely a big positive for including Phantasmal Image in any deck. So it's it's one of those things that, um, it, it creates an explosion that is not represented on the board. So one of the things that, that you got to be careful of when you're looking at a card is being able to identify from a given board state what someone can do. And if a person is able to have a very undeveloped board and turn that undeveloped board into a win uh surprisingly in a very you know fast way um that tells you that there's probably something that's maybe out of balance so if somebody can have 
a, a board state with two lands and then win the can, game. Right. Untap and cast an Adnos and win the game. Um, I mean, sure, you've got like Dark Ritual and, and stuff like that that can let you get there, but the ability to, bl- you know, you can't. You can't blink dark ritual. You can't copy dark right. ritual with creatures. You can't sacrifice it with culling the re- culling the the weak and then reanimate it again. Um, I mean, the the fact that it's an enter the battlefield trigger on a creature that costs two mm-hmm. is it it just makes it so much easier to exploit. And it's insane to think that if this card costs three mana, I actually think it would be like significantly worse. Oh yeah. It would, it would be, I mean, it would still be good. It would still be really good. It'd be played in everything, but it would be so much more balanced. Or wasn't right. a goblin or wasn't tutorable with both recruiters. The list kind of goes on and on with it. Right. Checking boxes for tutorability too. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it just fits into everything. It's very accessible from any color that wants to run it. And it, benefits every strategy whether you're trying to be a, a turbo nos list or whether you're trying to uh you know play a more mid-range list or even if you're doing stacks as long as you're not running null rods um it's gonna help you because it just produces all of the resources and insulates you from other people trying to restrict your resources so it's it's it has changed the metagame all by itself. And if it were to leave the metagame, what do you guys think would happen? Uh, it would be. Uh, I, I think. Phoenix, Phoenix, you go ahead. Uh, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll sit back on this one here. For yeah, a I, I immediately think the format would be slower. I mean, that's just. Yeah. Without even having to think about it too hard the format would be slower and people would be more willing to commit to the board. It would improve certain stacks pieces and punish higher color decks. Yeah. Um, I, I think yeah. it would, I think you'd see, a, I, I think this, uh, I, I think this love of Tim Necrom would kind of die down. And I think you'd see people going back to Tim Thrasios and then really leaning back into dorks. And I think, I think that is a healthier place for the format to be. It's wild that I'm saying that. I think Thrasius and Tim is like a, a healthier, in quotation mark, right, uh, place to be for the format. But I mean, it, it feels much more like everybody has a chance. You know, if there's four people sitting there, it feels like there's a l- four people playing Thrasius and Tim at a table. Feels like a lot more even. And a lot less determined by like seating order and turn order than a table full of four blue farm decks. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it, and to be honest, I, I, I don't mind uh, having a resurgence of Thrasios and Timna. If it means that blood moon is, is hot again. Right. Uh, because Thrasios and Timna have a very hard time they with do. blood moon. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that that's a, a a positive exchange. And one thing I think in, in talking in this, because I think the next card that we're going to talk about that we all agreed about um, is a card that 
might see fringe casual play. This card absolutely sees casual play. Card sure. is sixty dollars. Uh, it ain't sixty dollars because of CEDH, folks. That card sees play everywhere, and right. that is probably why. If I were to push for any of these three cards the most to the RC and say, man, this really needs banned. I, I don't think it really needs banned. I think it should be banned for a healthier format overall, but I don't think it's like the end of the world if it doesn't get banned. Right. Um, but like if there was one card on my three that I was just like this guy, if if it had to go tomorrow, the world would be a better place. Dockside is probably there because it, it, it affects every power level. Yeah, it does. Um, I, I don't know in, in the casual. So in the con, in, in the competitive space, having access to, you know, mana and cards right. is the way that people win the game. And so if you can get a huge mana advantage very early, then that gives you an enormous leg up in being able to convert that into a win. Whereas but everybody like in casual circles, right? Still play, still play like soul ring arcane signet. Um, still are playing plenty of enchantments. There's entire decks built around that. Right. Um, and they play bigger bombs than we play actually. Right. Right. So the mana advantage that you're getting off a of quick dockside. I could argue is more impactful in a casual table uh, to an imbalanced game than it is in CEDH, where at least we have like, at least we're sitting here. We've got like force of negation, force of all these different things to fall back on. Right. Right. I, but I still feel like, so in competitive, you, you power out a dock side and you use that to cast ad nauseum or peer into the abyss. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you do your thing. Whereas in a, in a casual table, I would expect you have your dock side that leads you to some big bomb of a creature that's in play. And there it is. That's, that's what you did with, with the mana. Right. So you've got a big creature now. And that's, I think, um, l less problematic because it's like, well, all right, so you powered a creature into play, right? but you're that it didn't win you the game right there. And, and you know, it's not something right. that changes the experience of everybody because, well, you got three people who can remove that creature and it's, it, it doesn't really cause this, um, this imbalance that we see on the competitive side, just because the decks aren't poised to exploit it. Right. And also I would argue that it even has some of the same, positives that say for example a turn one soul ring in a casual game has where the table can adjust to something like that especially in right. casual right yeah that that makes that makes a lot of sense but i i think that's all totally fair i still think it should be banned, <laughs> banned i do have side. some uh uh since this is the only one that we all have exactly the same some like simple devil's advocate questions for you guys then okay. instead of me making the same points that cobble just made very well um and i think my first one was are there any decks that you would not play dockside in i already know my answer to this but i wanted to hear it from you too that i would not I mean, play dockside not play dockside i actively uh. don't play it in in anything where i'm running null rod effects 
uh, just because. So like, Ken, the, no, you even play it in Kenrith stacks, though, don't you? I play it in Kenrith because it's one of the win cons in Kenrith. Right. Um, but if if you're going to play Null Rod and Stony Silence and Oof in a list, then there's going to be a lot of internal inconsistency and conflict if you're going to try to run Dockside and Smothering Tide and that sort of thing. So you got to kind of choose one or the other. I can't think of one very easily because because so the only decks that I can think of that I would be interested in not running it and I think are Arden Krom and Arden um, uh, Tana and because of the fact that our our, you know you're you're fine playing null rod effects in those because Arden kind of gets around that Um, but you still want Dockside because of how explosive it makes the, your hands so that you can get a better control on the board. So it's weird. I, I can't think of a deck that I actively don't want to play Dockside in. I think my other one that neither one of you mentioned is Poly Tyrant. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, and even then I, maybe you just play Diversion and get both. That That's, so it, in in Grixis Polytyrant, I I actually do have Dockside as well, and because if you if you get Dockside and Tide Spout or something like that, okay, <laughs> I mean it's not like that's a bad outcome. So yeah, or you oh, have a no. reality scramble and you just polymorph the Dockside too after making mana, right? Right. Um, yeah, it's I just like. Even in decks that play Nullrod, I still think that I want to play it. Like honestly, That's, like, like yeah, it, it's. It, I mean, it's it's the same kind of idea as like Razakats plays Collector Oof, right? Like sometimes you have some stuff that's internally inconsistent, but especially in a color like red, where it's so explosive. Like, yeah, there are going to be some situations where you have a Nullrod down and it's your hand; it's not very good. But there's going to be more situations, I would argue, that it's going to do be so explosive and let you play so many more hate pieces that it's worth it, even if there's that internal inconsistency. Uh, I, I know, I'm still I, not, I, I'm not sold on that just because those those lists all often want to play rule of law too. Yeah, and so the thing that you're you're wanting to prioritize is either getting rule of law or getting artifact hate down. And this is, you want to we, do those as fast as you can. We need to do another like stacks philosophy video with you, me, Michael and uh, Charles. Cause it's just like, there's, there's so many nuances like that with stacks that we could get into. Right. Um, but moving mm-hmm. on. So the next piece uh, that we kind of looked at the next card that we all kind of cobble and I agreed on. And then Jeremy uh, half agreed. Kind um, of. Okay. Uh, is. Yeah, you, you, you agreed with me, Cobble. Um, right, is, is, to... Okay. Is Thassa's Oracle, Cobble and I are correct and want to ban Thassa's Oracle. And Phoenix wants to ban Tainted Pact. And he just, Phoenix just wants to see Food Chain die. That's that's what I Phoenix just hates food chain. You've played against snacks so many times. You're sick of sick of seeing food chain, sick of seeing him, you know, cast tainted pact. And oh, there goes Miss Hall Griffin. Right. So, OK, so 
so Cabo and I could talk about Thoughts Oracle here for a second. And I think we've covered this probably fairly deeply in the past. We'll talk about it here in a second. First of all, I, I want to hear your reasoning here for why you're the, you know, the the lone person here who's saying we need to ban uh, uh, Tina Pact. Yeah. So I think that Tina Pact has a lot of the same things that we were just talking about with Dockside Extortionist, but with Tainted Pact. And so Praetor's Grasp is run a lot of the times to get Tainted Pact or you run Tainted Pact in your deck. You have copy spells and you run a Tainted Pact mana base in decks that don't have black just in case you end up copying a Tainted Pact or stealing a Tainted Pact. And so it influences deck building a lot more than almost any card in the entire format, even though you think it shouldn't because we're singleton, so you are able to hit it, but it actually makes it so that people play a lot less basics just in the format as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then it is actually just, I think, a stronger card other than if you hit the thing you want, I guess, with a demonic consultation, but there's an actual downside to playing demonic consultation and tainted pact as the deck building restriction that's built into the format. And that is kind of a argument that I have with the criteria that we have for banning the cards is that it does interact poorly with the specific rules of commander being singleton. Right. I, I, I would agree that tainted pact that even because even though there's, you know, one more mana, I think that Tainted Pact is the better card than Demonic Consultation. Just well, because you, mean you, you don't like just randomly killing yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I, I feel like Tainted Pact in it ha- has two modes that are both excellent where, you know, the one mode is I want to exile my deck right now or. I want to look for a very specific thing and find it right now. Whereas with, you know, with, with tainted pact, it's not naming the card ahead of time. It's let me find a counter spell. And if you look three deep and you find, you know, a force of will or something like that. Great. Whereas with instant the, speed demonic tutor. Right. Right. But with demonic consultation, you roll the dice and, you name a card and even if something better or something that would have been adequate comes up beforehand, you just wind up, you know, just three cards left in your library. Right. (laughs) Or you have the situation where it's in that top six and then you're just done. So I, I, I agree that tainted pact is, 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 is the bigger threat of the two. Yeah, and even just an example of a deck that I help maintain is in Prosper, we don't play Demonic Consultation, but we definitely play Tainted Pact without even thinking about it. Right. Tainted Pact's interaction, specifically with Lelia, is the grossest thing I've ever seen in Magic, probably period. <laughs> like, <laughs> for the people at home who don't understand how this car, how this interaction works, uh, Phoenix... Just just explain to, to people why I throw up every time I see Lelia on the field. Yeah, so I've it's also not a simple interaction because I've had multiple level one judges give me the wrong ruling on this. And there was a lot of confusion until we contacted more judges and got more judges involved and actually got the right ruling. So Tainted Pact is just like Ad Nauseum, where on the card it says do the thing, which if you don't know what Tainted Pact does... You're probably watching the wrong podcast, but 
it exiles the top <laughs> exiles the top card of your library, and then if it shares a card that you've already exiled, let me. I should just pull the rules text up. Honestly, if it has a card with the same name, if you've hit a card of the same name, yep, you stop. Uh, there we go. Exile the top card of your library. You may put that card into your hand unless it has the same name as another card exiled this way. Repeat this process until you put a card into your hand or you exile two cards with the same name, whichever comes first. And so the key line of text there is repeat this process. So because you're exiling the card once and repeating the process, it actually creates different triggers for things that care about one or more. So Lelia cares about one or more cards being exiled. And so since the process does it individually one time, it creates the amount of cards you've exiled triggers for Lelia to get that big. I have been on the receiving end of one of these big Lelias. And um, let me tell you, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh I, I I have seen Tainted Pact be used as a teamer battle rage against me. It's wild. Um, I imagine uh, Necropotence would work the same. It does. Yes. Yeah. That is. That's just. That's such a cool card. But so so Tainted Pact, I, I, and I get your reasoning for it. Um, my argument against banning the Forbidden Tutors, though, is I already think Food Chain's not terribly great. And I kind of would like to see Food Chain be able to be like mildly competitive again. And I think banning Forbidden Tutors means that Food Chain just I, I could never recommend playing Food Chain again after if if you ban those Forbidden Tutors. That's like their trick. That's like the thing they do really well is utilizing those Forbidden Tutors to their advantage. And like it, I would like to see food chain come back as a good like archetype. And I, and I don't think banning that. I don't want to see food chain die for the sins of Thassa's Oracle um, <laughs> is kind of how I feel about it. I think even as a counter argument to that, just because I don't necessarily agree with you, any commander that has black and has a one card combo, specifically thinking of Najila already ran the forbidden tutors before Thassa's Oracle was a thing. And then specifically uses them to tutor their one card win condition. I think that the presence of Thassa's Oracle changes the game, though. Yeah. And. Like Najila couldn't just pivot into Thassa's Oracle out of nowhere, right? Like it's not like they were playing Chase, but. Yeah. But that's that's not even in the same ballpark of being the same thing, right? You're talking about a four, four CMC, three blue pip. legendary planeswalker that has to hit the board there's a draw trigger that has to resolve there's so many more layers of interaction with that whereas this is three mana this is three four mana tops it's about the same amount of mana as their other win con right so they're they're not they're not really doing anything else and they could just like turn left right into it whereas I mean, I've seen the the Gila mana base like it's not it's not very nice to to three blue pip uh, cards. <laughs> right. I so the I mean, the elephant in the room here is the combination 
of the Forbidden Tutors and Thassa's Oracle. And the fact that that combo has utterly saturated the metagame because it's the undisputed best win con, um, not just because of how resource efficient it is, but, you know, it's two cards, so it's very card efficient and it's extremely uh, difficult to interact with. Whereas with with Lab Man and with Lab Jace, there your 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 surfaces for interaction included the stack for those spells while those spells are on the stack, but also permanent base removal to be able to remove either of those in response to someone you know putting their draw trigger on. Um, whereas the Thassa's Oracle takes that out of the picture because no longer can you just remove the Thassa's Oracle because it's a, a, a triggered ability. So all of a sudden, the the colors that don't have access to good stack interaction, you know, um, black, green, white, um, they have nothing that they can do to stop it. If someone just comes down with, I'm going to play Oracle and then respond with consultation and you're playing against a, you know, Golgari player, there's literally nothing they can do. It's like, all right, cool. Good game. (laughs) Right. And that wasn't the case when Labman and Labjace were the only ways to get there. So I, I, I feel like. There's, it's very unlikely that we're going to see another demonic consultation or another tainted pact because they're extremely efficient. And, uh, I, you know, I think they're design mistakes, but we will continue to see ways of eliminating your, your library in one way or another. I not necessarily exiling your library, but there's certainly ways to mill yourself out efficiently that also result in you having a zero size library. And as long as that's the case, then Thassa's Oracle is very difficult to interact with and will, I, I believe, remain an intractable problem. You know, the, the, the Thassa's Oracle Tain Impact deck is a real deck in Legacy. Like it's, a, it's a real deck that puts up numbers. Like they right. they played it in historic and then a bunch of people realized, oh, shit, the the singleton requirement isn't really that big of a drawback uh, when your card pool is insane. And I mean, but look at look, his, look at historic, though. And I get that it's a different I get that it's a different format. I get that it's 60 card. I get that. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody plays lab. Jace is there. It's right there. They can still do it. Nobody does it. Why? It, it's not it's not as effective. And I get we have better mana. We have more acceleration, all these things. I, I think that I can safely look at historic and say historic has this this two card combo sitting right there that they could use. And they're just saying, no, we're not going to do it. It's not good enough. And I think that it's good enough for CEDH. But I don't think it is even in the same it not only is it in the, not in the same like ballpark 
of uh, Thassa's Oracle. It's in a different it, it's in a different league. It's in a different conf, con, conference. The Thassa's Oracle is playing SEC football while Lab Jace is playing like JV high school football. OK, there's not even remotely the same. Listen, Lab Jace might be the best quarterback in in his rural West Virginia high school JV league. Okay. But he's not whoever the quarterback is at Alabama right now. He's not the, he's not that, that good. Thassa's Oracle is that, that Alabama Thassa's Oracle is the, uh, I guess Georgia's the great team this year. Um, the, the, the differences I don't even think are even, even, I, I don't even think it's fair to compare them. They're, it's that much better. Right. Even with Lab Maniac, it's, you know, something that's tutorable with yeah. the Neoform and, and Eldritch Evolution and Pod and, and things like that. Um, it's not even remotely close to as the, the, the power level that, that Thassa's Oracle has. So kind of getting back on track here, we're really <laughs> talking about the combination of Thassa's right. Oracle with Forbidden Tutors. and that how it leads to repetitive gameplay because it's the de facto best combo so if you're running dimmer then that's you just run the combo because there's no there's essentially no opportunity cost there you know you just add the two cards and then that's that's it um it requires no other infrastructure and it works in any context and is just a two card pivot at any point in the game to just say, I win if you have three mana. So it's, it's utterly warping. I mean, the Hulk and, pile and, didn't get any worse, right? right? Like the Hulk pile's still there. The reason the flash got banned is still right there. Yeah. It just right. has to take a little, just a little extra work to get it going. But I mean, like right. it, the reason flash got banned is still there. Like, but what I what what I would want to get into is okay. Suppose that we remove Thassa's Oracle and we leave the Forbidden Tutors. What does that world look like? Versus, let's say we remove the Forbidden Tutors and keep Oracle. What does that world like? And I feel like as long as we have Oracle, then there is the threat mm-hmm. of something coming down the line that will cause it to become a problem again. And, and even, even short of that, the fact that we still have hermit druid, the fact that we still Uh, have breakfast combo, the fact that we still will continue to have more and more ways to mill ourselves out and, and, and other things like that. Yes, they're less efficient, but still if, if you are, you know, playing breach you know, if you got Underworld Breach and Brain Freeze, that's, I mean, that's a good combo anyway. Right. And if you just mill yourself out and then just return Oracle, then... Aha, I, I win. Mean, there you go. <laughs> so, um, it... Because, you know, we, we can say that Hermit-based strategies and Breakfast-based strategies are, are, are not very common in the metagame. I mean, that's largely because... They are so outperformed by forbidden tutors. Um, yeah, why do you need to do all that setup when you can right. just 
go thrusters or Oracle Tina packed. All right, we're done. Yeah. But you you remove those and you still have a problem problematic interaction because right. people you it's all the same problems with Oracle if you just mill yourself out and then cast Oracle out of the graveyard. And the, I can see Phoenix wants to say something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say as somebody who plays a lot of Hermit Druid and literally just started working on the blue green Hermit Druid deck uh, with the new with the new frog, which is a lot of fun, by the way. Um if the Forbidden Tutors never existed, we would maybe be talking about you just have to spend two creature tutors and you win the game. With Hermit right. Druid and Thassa's Oracle. You don't right. need any setup for Hermit Druid to win the game with Thassa's Oracle. And Thassa's yeah. Oracle is the problem in this scenario, not Hermit Druid. Right. And I I I think this is you said something, Cobble, a moment ago that was echoed by Watsi when they banned Thassa's Oracle uh, in Historic. Was, they, they echoed exactly what you said. Of the, They banned Thassa's Oracle because it was the problem card in the Breach combo deck that they had that was going on. And it was the problem card in the Tain Impact combo. And they were like, it's... It, I mean, they basically used the, uh, the Siege Rider analogy, right? Where they banned Pod in Modern because it constricted what they were able to build in, in the creatures they were able to build in into the card pool because it just the better the creatures they got and they obviously want creatures to be good better creatures got better pod guy um and this is kind of, it, it's the same sort of thing with Thassa's oracle where it's like the better these types of combos get and they're not afraid to print them clearly they're they're keeping printing them all the time um i mean for christ's sake they just reprinted tainted pact Right? We got a uh, we got a new demonic consultation variant in the new set too. Cost three. Which mana. one? The uh, demonic bargain. It costs three mana and exiles thirteen. But ah, and then you, okay. you you name you and then you search demonic for a card. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a demonic tutor with like uh, demonic uh, consultation stap- stapled on the front of it. Um, okay. But like it, it's clear that they want you to be able to do graveyard shenanigans because people like graveyard shenanigans, right? It's clear that they want you to be able to do these big, powerful things because people like that. But Thassa's Oracle does not allow for them to continue to do those big things because the more you do that, the better Thassa's Oracle is going to get. Right. Um, to, to put it this way, um, when the Flash Hulk debate was ongoing and there was all of the conversation around, well, is Flash the problem or is Hulk the problem? And we had to articulate. So Flash, no matter what it's c- coupled with, is going to be a problem. Is it? Is it likely in the future that Wizards is going to print a creature that will be really really problematic if you can cast it at instant speed for two mana um and the answer to that is is yes it's very likely that something like that will come down the line at some point you can conversely say is it likely that wizards is going to print something that at two mana at instant speed will allow you to put an arbitrary creature onto the battlefield and um, sacrifice it and sacrifice it the, 
in, in a way that can't be interacted with except by people who have counter spells or great um, hate, right? Like, right. Um, it's, it's one of those things where the truly flash was the issue right. and was going to continue being an issue as long as it was legal. And we're seeing that borne out where Hulk is still legal. It's fine. And you still see a little bit of it, but I mean, how many of the main, main, like the, the main line, uh, decks in the in the metagame use hulk almost right. none of them so it's that's indicative of that fact and it's not to say I, that it's not like a bad deck these are perfectly fine deck right like it's but it's just like it's, it's not, not what it was it's not warping the metagame right so oracle we we, we talked about the situation where we remove the forbidden tutors Oracle's still a problem because there's lots of ways to get yourself into a situation where Oracle is your win con and it's still very hard to interact with because it's your win con. If you remove Oracle and keep the forbidden tutors, then what you have is, well, you go back to lab man and lab Jace and that step that that step down is a very, very big step down because all of a sudden, now, okay, Golgari can in, interact man. again. Golgari can interact again. Mono White so, can interact again. Right. Yeah. Um, being able to uh, abrupt decay or being able to assassin's trophy or being able to sorts to plowshares, you know, th- those uh, it create adding that that surface area for people to interact makes it much more likely that someone's going to be able to have an answer. And that in and of itself greatly reduces the threat of the win con. And so one of the things that is in the rules committees, like uh, things that you should see in a, um, in a, in a band card is like, uh, Lee causes other players to feel they must play certain cards, even though they are also problematic. Um, and I'm not going to go far as to say that counter spells. I I'm going to follow me here. I think it here makes people feel as though they have to only play counter spells as their interaction. Okay. And I don't think counter spells are problematic. However, I do think it pushes people into the problematic nature of, oh, I can't play this deck. It doesn't have blue. Oh, I can't yes. play this deck. It doesn't have what I need to be able to deal with this. Right. And right. I think that's the problematic part of what pushes people into playing these uh, counter spells. The suites uh, is the fact that, it's not that the cards themselves are problematic. It's the fact that the problematic thing that's happening here is you, it's actively encouraging people to not play other strategies. Right. I, I would say it's twofold on, on it, one being the one that you're, you're talking about here where the diversity of decks in the metagame is reduced mm-hmm. because some things just can't compete. Um, but it also leads to, bad design practices where people prioritize counter spells over removal, which then 
disproportionately makes other cards stronger because you can anticipate that people won't have the removal right. to get rid of the hull breacher or the opposition agent or the void walker or whatever it is. Well, so and, and, it, and it's and it's interesting because I think Dockside and Thassa's Oracle like feed off of each other in this because so we're talking about people are playing less removal. They're playing more bounce spells now. Right. So let's say you bounce somebody's Thassa's Oracle after you counter their 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 Tainted Patch or whatever. Okay, now they could just retry, right? Yeah. So it's like it, it, you actually did deal with the problem, and I and that's and that's also part of the the whole or not whole breacher Jesus the the dockside like right. issue and and yeah, so that, I, I, I think they, amplifies the, the problem right, and I think the two of them kind of make each other worse in in a way. Um, yeah, and I was going to say the ETBs specifically on creatures are things that are easy to be cheated out and cause players to play specific kinds of cards. Right. Because other than literally mono white, most decks want to care about ETBs on creatures because those are the most powerful things we can be doing right now, especially with all of the new creatures that we're getting in new sets. Right. Yeah. It's, being able to blink, being able to reanimate, being able to neoform. I mean, look at ephemerate. To, look at yeah. all the ephemerate like stuff that's coming around now. I mean, who played? I mean, I mean, think about this like a year ago. Who was really doing stuff with ephemerate? Did ephemerate exist a year ago? Uh huh. Yeah, it came out. Modern Horizons one. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, nobody, nobody, nobody played Cloud Shift. You know, and I Cloud see Cloud Shift. Pl- I see Cloud Shift. Now. I played Cloud Shift long time ago. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Is is, is it's yeah. like you keep seeing these cards popping up, and and, I, and I, I, not to go back to Dockside, but it, I the, the I think Dockside makes the Thassa's Oracle problem worse because of the type of interaction suites that people are packing because they're greedy, and so it doesn't actually fix any of the problems. Or to put it another way, when people are wanting to be able to be effective against Dockside and Oracle, then it shuts down a huge world of other things that they want to be doing. Right. So, you know, most decks can't profitably run Torpor Orb effects because there's too many other things that they want to be doing that would use those. So the best tools that we have for stopping those two threats cause you to be straitjacketed and your pool of, of, you know, strategies within that space is so narrow that it doesn't make sense to even try it. Yeah. And I think we talked about that too. And I think Spleen touched on that a few weeks ago when we were talking about the, um, the, the guilds, um, when we were talking about Demir and how it, how it deals with that. Very interesting uh, hearing all the different, you you still on the tainted pack train, train Phoenix. Are you, are you staying, sticking with your yes, guns? I am you know actually, what? I do all think right. that it would influence deck building a lot by removing tainted pact. All right. You know what? I'll give you, I'll toss a coin to you for that one. I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you props for that one. Uh, so the next one up is we, I mean, I guess Cobble and Phoenix kind of agreed on this. Um, our third card, 
so so Cobblepot picked Jeweled Lotus. Phoenix picked Mana Crypt. And I'm not going to mention the your parentheses card because that's cheating. Um, you got three cards to pick, not four. Uh, and I picked uh, I was I was the I didn't pick mana one here. I picked ad nauseum. So I, I'm going to throw it over to you guys. And so Jeweled Lotus and Mana Crypt are a little bit differently. So, Phoenix, I'm going to let you both explain this here. So you you picked Mana Crypt, uh, Jeremy. And so with why mana crypt and soul ring no no soul ring doesn't <laughs> exist i don't know what you're talking about uh, it's only mana crypt <laughs> obviously soul ring is emblematic of the format so i couldn't pick that one um so i switched it to mana crypt but basically it's fast mana that doesn't have a downside and so that was kind of cobble could tell you otherwise He's how many times have i been killed by my <laughs> <mana crypt? laughs> channel <laughs> and we can argue about that all day long right but but like it's it's mana crypt soul ring and to a lesser extent probably jeweled lotus in my opinion uh that cards that generate extra mana that don't have any downside other than being artifacts um we can argue about the life total if we really want to but i think they really exacerbate especially in cdh the turn order problem and especially the player going first, being able to draw and having access to fast mana that doesn't have any downside. There's a big drop off when you go from Mana Crypt and Soul Ring down to Mana Vault, down to Mox Diamond, down to Lotus Petal, Chrome Mox. These cards actually have real downsides, but Soul Ring and Mana Crypt basically don't. And I think that they're in almost every deck. The fact that even decks with collector oof play the like core four to five artifacts is also probably indicative of a larger problem. But I think that that's the first step that could be taken to kind of rein in the fast mana issues we have. I agree. I think that um, the, the, the disparity of win percentage based on seat position indicates that there are some latent balance issues in in the game and i if if not remedied um it's certainly exacerbated by the presence of fast mana i i chose the jeweled lotus over mana crypt just because um it has further increased the speed of the format and over the top of what it already was with Dockside and, you know, people being able to threaten Oracle wins really quickly or being able to get their their ad nauses off really quickly. Um, you know, with Jeweled Lotus, being able to have a turn one Najila and a dork or yeah, and a tutor say. or and a counterspell. Um or, you know, being able to have a turn one Malcolm or I'll, I'll support banning Jeweled Lotus if only so I can stop seeing Pongo. Just go turn one land dork Jeweled Lotus Najila pass every week, every right. week. <laughs> or, or I mean, you know, seeing commonplace situations of turn one Chrome or right. turn one Tevish, you know, that those are things that should happen very infrequently, but the presence of Jeweled Lotus has, you know, made two mana you know, uh, or two color 
commanders that cost five or more actually see play on the first turn. Mm-hmm. That that to me is a red flag, especially if the person who did that is the one who's first in turn order, because that just absolutely accentuates the tempo disparity that that player has compared right. to everybody else at the table. So you take away jeweled Lotus and yeah, you'll still see turn one Najila, but you won't see turn one Najila with a dork or with a tutor. And that's a significant difference. Right. And I, I think that the absence of jeweled Lotus would help to um, mitigate I, I think some of this variance that you see based on things that the players have no control over. Players don't have any control over their seat position and right. they don't have control over other other players' mulligan choices and things like that. That stuff shouldn't impact your win percentage, but it does. So I, th- and, and that's one of the things people aggressively mulligan so that they can get their mana crypts and their jeweled lotuses and, and, and so on. And that, doesn't help the situation. I would argue that. Okay. While you're, while you're thinking about that, um, I just anecdotally, I've, I think I've heard the most complaints from people who have entered the format from legacy and modern about mana crypt and soul ring and all the fast mana available in the format. Right. So, Here's My experience in Conquest has, and I know that this is a tangent, but um, one of the very intentional things that they did was removing the fast mana to slow down that opening sequence of turns. And it it really, really does mitigate a lot of the variance that you see that's based on mulligans and turn order. I like fast mana. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. I like um, it too. I think it's fun. But I, uh, it's a problem. I, I, I have a, I, my, my conquest. I, I have a lot of opinions about conquest, but I mean, like, the, sorry to get us on that tangent. Let's go yeah, we're not really on that tangent, but I mean, it's so, the, but there's a lot of thought process that I think you and I and Morgan have talked about this. I want to say it was on Twitter um, about the, the 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 turn disparity and i think i think we as competitive players have overblown the turn disparity because i think it is pretty uh proportional to what it should be if you were to look at other formats the turn disparity exists in other formats too Player going first is heavily favored to win that game. Almost not, like not 20%. 55 to 45. Right. But but if you go down proportionally, it should be about 20%. 15 to 20% about it. Like if you were say if you were to say about like 5% per seat, which seems pretty reasonably fair, it feels pretty proportional to add another player to that and it it feels about the right sized gap for double the amount of players. And I feel that fast mana actually helps bridge that gap because I, I feel like if you take away fast mana, green just becomes the de facto best format and anybody in fourth place doesn't have the opportunity to catch up. 
I, I so just, you're you're saying that the fast mana saves the person in fourth seat position and allows them to it, catapult themselves back into the game. Yeah, it allows them to be able to to get. Yes, it also allows the person in first place to just skyrocket, go out in first. But it also allows because your mulligan decisions when you're going in first, you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, I'm going first. I don't have to dig nearly as deep on my mulligan decision. So man, I could keep a good seven. I could keep a good six. Yeah, this is good going first. I'll keep that. That changes the further around you get in that turn order. You get to the fourth seat and you're sitting there going, man, I can't keep this one land hand. I can't keep this one door pass. I got to find some acceleration. And I think that is what makes this format interesting. And I also think that it makes the format so that the person in fourth has like a living shot at staying in games because otherwise I think you just hand it to the people going in first, second and third. I, I can't help but think about the, that joke. There, there was a story where um, a grandmother got killed by a toddler who had a gun and <laughs> people said, you know what would have changed that situation if the grandmother had a gun? And I, I feel like that's the situation. Oh, no, here that's not the same like, situation <laughs> at all. It's not the same situation at all, because what you're doing, it, it, I I look at it as as equity, right? Because you're not like, like, sure, the person here has that same. But you also have to think about it as the fact that you're also taking that away from the person in last place. So not so if you're going to ban the card because you don't want the person in first place to get this big big advantage sure fine i get that however you also have to reckon with the fact that you're also taking away the ability to get back into games that they're a little bit you know somebody's had a good start it's harder to do that when you don't have fast mana and you're going last right but i think that there's a lot of things that are working against the person in fourth seat beyond then beyond just the fast mana issue so you can have somebody who is in first position who plays, you know, Island Mystic Remora and passes turn. Now, everybody after them who might have fast mana that they would use to otherwise, you know, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, mm-hmm. and get back into the game. They they can't do so without benefiting the person who went first. And there, there's a lot of play patterns like that mm-hmm. where just the fact that whoever got to go first is is just going to have an advantage and there's not really a but way to that's not unique it. to our format that's sure. not unique to that's not unique to to edh we, we we treat that like it's like this these the person going first you, if i did that in any other format maybe mystic remora is obviously like not a great example of this but i mean like a turn one esper sentinel in modern and in legacy is that that's really powerful before the other person gets to do anything. And it's like, I I don't know that that is unique to EDH. I just think we notice it more because there's more players. And I don't think the gap is so we feel like the gap should be closer, but I mean, we've doubled the amount of players, right? So I feel like it makes a reasonable amount of sense that the gap between going first and going last would be double what the gap is in a two B one V one format of, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like that, that far of a leap in logic to me. Um, okay. To I'm s- changing from jeweled Lotus to mystic remora. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what? I can get behind that. Uh, you know, the, the Mr. Grimoires might hate me for that, but I might be able to, get, I could get behind that. Um, I, so my, mine is not mana related. Well, it's kind of mana related. It's absolutely uh, mana related. Yeah. I, I picked ad nauseum and, um, uh, part of, part of that is, is just the, the, the way. So you look at some of the reasons you ban cards, um, you know, and cause severe resource imbalance. Man, I just picked up my deck, right? You know, um, allow players to win out of nowhere. Again, you just fire off an ad nauseum and suddenly when you have your deck in hand, it's really easy to win. Um, and it prevents players from contributing in meaningful ways. And I mean, sure, you counter the ad. No- it, it's it's the same thing as the Thassa's Oracle, right? You counter the Thassa's Oracle. The Thassa's Oracle is still a threat. You know, they can get the card back. They can play it again. It's not like it's gone um, unless you play rest in peace, which I heavily recommend that you do. Um, but it, it, it's not like it's going away. And then it causes people to have to play all these weird cards and like, sure, silence is good and it's a nice counter to it. But then they get around to their turn and they're, they've they discarded down to size and they just go, all right, I played Breach. Like, it, it, what, what are you supposed to do there? And so so to me, I, I think Ad Nauseam first i think it interacts in a way that leads i mean it also leads to incredibly repetitive gameplay right i mean how many times you just go like boom 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 ad nauseous and you're just kind of like all right well this was fun and then you just kind of have to wait for them to see the right pieces and i also completely separate of the rc thing i just want to see a format shake up like i i, I want to see new uh, I, I want to part part of why a small portion of why I picked these three is I think you banned all these three. I think you'd see some archetypal shifts that some? I would like to see. <laughs> I'd really, it would, it'd it be completely a huge, but I, huge I, I'd really like to see it because I think I, I think Underworld Breach decks get considerably worse without ad nauseum. I don't think they become unplayable. The cards um, still are insane, but I, I don't think, think they lose a lot. But they come down a peg, right? I think because they play off of each other really well. Sure. They do, I, but I think, I think it shifts the format in a way that I would like to see some new stuff come up. And um, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like how, you know, man, Delver's been running legacy for how long now, you know, just like to see something else. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like that's where legacy players are at right now, where they're just kind of sitting there and they're like, we would really like to see something that's just not Delver, um, <laughs> you know, and and that's kind of there. There's a part of me that there there's a lot of like logical reasons where you could get into like this is worthy of banning, blah, blah, blah. But a large part of me is just like, I just want to I just want to see a format shakeup. I, I, I truly believe that we're in the midst of a transition where if you if you are keeping up with the the tournament scene mm-hmm. that's happening. And, you know, the, the most recent tournaments, uh, you know, the most, I forget which, which one was the most recent, but the top four didn't have a single Adnaz deck at, you know, in it. And it was all, you know, hate Oak bearers. And, and, and yeah. The, so, and if you look at the field of a lot of those, mm-hmm. those, those tournaments, what people are doing is they're anticipating that everyone else is going to be on 
on Adnos. Right. So everybody is shifting to try to beat Adnos. And what's winding up happening is that Adnos is showing up as a, a, a you know, having very small representation. And, and when Noda gets overpopulated. Right. And, and you're then, having lots of Winotas. Right. And, and then. Winota is going to come back down to earth here soon. That's you're these. It's not going to stay on this this hot of a streak. I think it's still good. I think it's still good too. But I I, I don't. I think it's it, it's going to come back down to earth. In my opinion, right. So back, but back to Adnos. Right. Uh, it's it's a one card combo. So if you get it to resolve, then it's the the power of it is the fact that you have one card that gives you a whole bunch of other cards. Right. So, and then it basically, it assembles your combo and also allows you to protect it because most people who are going to be running Adnaws, they're going to have a mana base that is going to support um, being able to accelerate very quickly to get to that ad as fast right. as possible. But that, that mana base also will support bootstrapping a post NAS win condition as well. So, you know, that with your ad you're going to, you're going to NAS into some number of mana positive rocks or, you know, Dockside or extortionist or, you know, something like that, that will give you the mana to be able to continue going and you'll have the cards in hand to be able to execute your combo mm-hmm. and some number of free counter spells to protect yourself while, while you're doing it. So it's, it's basically, you know, your game plan in a can. And on top of that, it is something that uh, it, it's not susceptible to Narset and Notion Thief and Hull Breacher yep. effects. So it's it's very difficult to to control you know appear into the abyss if somebody flashes in an ocean thief as a catastrophic event um or as a deflecting ad, swat right ad nauseum <laughs> that there's there's really very little risk in doing an ad nauseum right um yeah i i really think that keeping ad nauseum and and this is taking a page from from conquest again mm-hmm. i feel like keeping ad nauseum and changing the life total from 40 to 30 would make a huge difference. Oh, well, aggro decks are on the table if you do that, though. Right. Which is, which is huge. Right. And, and Adnaz is much, much less deep on right. average. And it's, it's a night and day difference. Also, Sarah's so. Ascendant just doesn't get turned on automatically. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, I was going to say that also just plays into one of the points on our list of reasons why it could be banned, which is that it interacts poorly with the rules of the format. Uh, having more life means that Nas is even better. Right. Right. It, 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 and, I, and, I, and I think that all highlights really well. And now you could make an argument that if you banned the other two cards that I brought up, right, that Nas kind of comes back down to earth a little bit. Um, but I don't know that it's, that much worse without those two cards, right? Like I, I, I would say if you, if you removed mana crypt and dockside extortionist, you would see a lot fewer nozzes, um as quickly 
as they're threatened. But it's still be insane, right? Like, right. But it's, it's again, it's both sides of the Nas. So being able to accelerate into it, right. You would would see less of, and then coming out of it, you would have more variance because you have less tools to generate positive mana outside of, you know, you know, starting from zero. Man, the freaking goblin. That's how I feel about it. And if you, <sighs> I, I think if you, if you ban Adnos, then uh, Notion Wheels becomes the threat. Yeah. Because basically people can, can underworld breach with impunity unless, you know, rule of law or rest in peace becomes a mainstay. And just wheeling with an ocean thief or with an Narset or whatever right. is that's just game. Well, and one of the things I, I think that people, I think people need to be to think about. And I think we touched on this in our, in our mirror map. So to kind of slowly go back to like Dockside and Thassa's Oracle is like, there's, it's hard to, it, it doesn't feel great playing rest in peace all the time. Right. Because you play rest in peace and you're, you, you've tapped your mana to do that. And they just go, okay, Thassa's Oracle Demonic Consultation. You're like, all right, well, I'm glad we had this chat. Like, <laughs> like, it, yeah, like the, the decks that it hits. Sure. I mean, it's good, but, and I, and I think you should be playing rest in peace. I want to highlight the fact that I, I think you should be playing Dothy. I think you should be playing rest in peace, but I, I don't know. That's- well, it, what, what it points out is, Generally, you can expect a deck to have a set of lines along a certain trajectory. Right. So when you're playing vintage and you you lose your first game to dredge, you side in all of your graveyard hate and you've got a good chance of winning the next two rounds. Um, whereas in... EDH or in you know, the CEDH context, you can have a deck that has a main line that is very linear that depends on the graveyard or depends on being able to storm or, you know, whatever that could be shut down by rule of law or shut down by rest in peace, you know, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and that just has the option of including two cards that let it pivot and just win the game. Without having access to the the main line that they've got, I I think that taking Oracle out of the picture makes it much more difficult because when when you just have when when Oracle is gone and you've got Labman and Labjace, a a thing that people might have forgotten is that you got to draw a card, and so yeah, Lab Dude, the does cards we used to play, man. What was what was the <laughs> one? What was that just one? Got a new hapless one researcher. Yeah, hapless researcher. We used to play like cards like that all the time. Like it's just right. like because you needed to have a draw after you got you, your. You used your, to have uh, to double Hulk in order to do it. Like it was. Yep. It was such a pain in the ass. Like <laughs> right, and you know when Hulk was a thing, everybody played Grafdigger's Cage, and all of a sudden you know, Hulk couldn't do its thing and you could just pivot into <laughs> Oracle consultation and then, Oh, okay. So it, it, it really minimizes the 
uh, checks and balances of the yeah. metagame. If Oracle disappears, those checks and balances come back to some degree because the ability to pivot is is significantly lessened. Phoenix, what do you think? You've been we we brought you back. And Cobble and I have been talking a lot. What do you what do you think yeah, about all this? I was nonsense? just thinking we're talking about, about Adnaz, we're talking about Thassa's Oracle, we're talking about Bannon shit. What are you thinking? I was thinking about what we didn't talk about, notable cards that I think that we didn't talk about. So the one that I was expecting to maybe see from one of you two and I didn't see was intuition. I'm very ah, surprised. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> I was very surprised neither one of you talked about intuition. Uh, it was one of the ones that I was considering talking about. I mean, we even have a card that is slightly more powerful, but slightly more expensive with gifts and given that's on the ban list currently. I, so I, I didn't consider intuition, but I did consider both Savine's reclamation. Really? Okay. And Underworld Breach. Damn, that's a hot take. I wouldn't have thought of Savine's. I, I I did briefly think about Underworld Breach because I mean, intuition is 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 a great is a great card. Um, it's high variance unless mm-hmm. you tutor for three tutors, or you have three redundant effects of the 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 effect that you're looking for, or you have really good reanimation. Um, or you have Savine's Reclamation and Underworld Breach. Um, and I feel like people didn't really play Intuition until Underworld Breach and Savine's <laughs> Reclamation. I mean, I need, I mean some I need, people played it. I need people fan art of, of the Intuition lady with the Bane Masters. Nobody cared who I was until the Breach came. I mean, it saw play. Absolutely, it saw play. But the the ascension of underworld breach and Savine's reclamation caused people to, to re-embrace it. It had a renaissance intuition is seeing more play than it ever has in the CDH metagame because of those two cards. And I feel like underworld breach when it was, when it was first revealed, I said, this is better than Yogg will. And, and you were I right. still think that I still think that it's better than Yogg will. And that's saying something. So I can't, I, mean, I, I, it, I, I just, can you imagine cobble? If you had gone back to 2016 cobble pot, Thrasios and Tim that had just been printed, all this crazy stuff has come out. And I, I came to you from the future. First of all, you'd be like, who the hell is this teenager? Second of all, um, go back to 2016. I tell you, they're going to print a better Yogg Moss will, and it's going to be in red. You would have, you're, you're going to be, you would have looked at me like I was a psychopath. Well, I, I would have said, oh, it'll be in red. Then that's not too much of a problem. But, <laughs> I think I, uh, another point about intuition, just, since we were just talking about it and I was the one who brought it up is that I actually think it interacts very poorly with multiplayer because unlike a lot of other cards that we play, you can very easily collude with opponents and get the thing that you want. I think that is actually one of the biggest reasons I would want to ban it. Okay. I, I actually, I very rarely see it used 
I and, see you use that way all the time. <laughs> in, in, a, in a collusion sort of manner, most of the time, it's just the I'm going to go get Lion's Eye Diamond and Underworld Breach. Oh man, you need to you need Sabine's. to come on Team Turn Three on Sunday nights. Sometimes, man, the deals that get made <laughs> to stop Pongo or to stop Morgan from going off, man, are insane. It's all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna intuition for these three cards. I need this one, and then you you. Do the thing. I mean, it's it's wild. Um, I I did not think about intuition. You want to know why? Because I'm solidly in the unbanned gifts ungiven camp. I am. I agree. I'm solidly in that camp. I think it's perfectly fine. I think that intuition is perfectly fine. And I think that if you can have intuition in the format, you can have gifts ungiven in the format. Definitely agree. Plus, I have a really cool gift foil. Uh, Jace gifts ungiven that I want to play. <laughs> that's which is the real reason why that, you. That's, uh, I mean, it's it's a small reason, but it's also like it, I don't know. It, it it just seems strange to me that, that there were like gifts ungivens can't play that card. Intuition, that one's fine. It just it, it feels weird. I, I think the reserve list probably plays a role into that. I think if it's a cheaper card, they might think about it more. Um. But I, I don't know. I, one card that did cross my mind uh, when I was talking about this, um, believe it or not, uh, was Arcane Signet. And I think that is because of the fact of like, it makes talismans like completely irrelevant. Um, unless you're like in two color decks, I feel like. Because like, what I've been doing in my two color decks, like I just play Arcane Signet. I don't even play Felwar Stone anymore in two color decks. I just play the Talisman. And it, it feels like it's made a lot of stuff really irrelevant. And one of the things we were talking about this earlier today, and we'll talk about this in the set review, but the the new Tide Spout Tyrant that just came out. One of the things that I like about Ooh. that card design Ooh. is that it replaces that it's broken it's well yes it's broken (laughs) it's incredibly good but it replaces tide spout tyrant without taking away tide spout tyrant's niche you know what i mean like you can like there's there's still and i like cards that do that and i feel like arcane signet doesn't do that like it just invalidates a lot of stuff um and that was like it's the Golos problem. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's the Golos problem. And it's, it's as sad as I am that I can't play uh, Golos shops anymore. Uh, Golos being gone is fine for the format. I, but, you know, that's that. But uh, I don't know. Interesting conversations. I love talking about bands. I know some people feel like it's like not fruitful, uh, but I always think like discussing these things and kind of thinking about where the format's at. You know what? What could be improved? Those sorts of things. I think it's. I think it's interesting, and uh, you know, it's good for right. the good for the algorithm, right? Just want <laughs> yeah. to reiterate: we're not calling for a ban of any of these cards. Uh, we're just having a thought exercise to think about how the metagame would shift right. if some of these cards were to exit the card pool. The metagame as it is right now is it's pretty good. healthy. It's healthy. Um, it's diverse. And it doesn't need bannings to get itself into a, a healthy state. It's already there. Yeah. 
I'm the exception here. I've been advocating for Thassa's Oracle's ban since the day Flash was banned. So I would I would welcome the Thassa's Oracle ban, but we don't need yeah. a Thassa's Oracle. Like ban. I think we'll be okay without it. But I, I think if the, my kind of take on the whole thing is is my like three or stuff where it's like it doesn't have to happen. If it did happen, I think we'd it'd be a better place. But I don't think it's a bad place, right? You know, it's right. like. We've got good infrastructure. You know, the roads outside are really good, right? Are, are, are fine right now. That doesn't mean I can't make my roads better. Um, so it doesn't mean adding a roundabout wouldn't improve the, the flow of my town, which we desperately need at my intersection. I swear to God. Um, well, that's about all that we got for today. Just want to remind you guys of a couple things. Uh, guys, we have a merch store. We have a merch store. We finally did it. Um, You can go to www.themindsculptors.com forward slash shop and you can check out. uh, We've got a we've got hoodies. Do they come in different colors or we just pick one color? Uh, We have different colors. Yeah. Okay. so there's different colors from. So there's a hoodie that I own. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, And there's two T-shirts. I want to tell you guys. I'm not selling we're we're not selling this to you and we're not selling you like like shit like Phoenix and I got a bunch of stuff a, a bunch of like test merch because been, he's been trying to get me to do merch forever and I said I'm not going to just push out merch to you guys. We don't need to sell merch, but we want to give you guys something. So I wanted to make sure we got you good stuff. And what we we tested a bunch of stuff. I think what we got you is good. I, I would say what we have in our store, the three pieces of merch, I would say are good pieces of merch. What do we what do we have in our store, Phoenix? We have a hooded sweatshirt, a and then the same short sleeve tee with a big logo and a small logo. So if you like the mind sculptors, you like what we're doing around here, go give that. Go over there. Get your, get yourself a, a hoodie. It's getting cold outside. Right, I live in Ohio. Yeah. yeah. You live out in Cleveland. It's a how cold is it out there right now? Right now? Right now it is forty-one degrees. Jesus Christ! So it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. It, it's Cleveland. You guys have a, you, you get my dad grew up in uh, in right out there in North Ridgeville. So it's they get some bad winters out there. All that lake effect snow. Mm-hmm. Being uh, buried. Uh, also, just a reminder that if you like what we're doing out here on the Mind Sculptors, you want to support us, you want to support the different stuff that we're going to be doing, uh, like the MLC that we will be putting on again next year, um, go over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Mind Sculptors. And you can, for the little, 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 little price of $2 a month, join in on our uh, Discord server. Come hang out with the three of us. We're all very active. In the- okay. I'm the probably the least active uh, because I I don't have the bandwidth for discord, um, but Phoenix is we call Phoenix uh, Phoenix bot. It's every spoiler season. All you do is just post all the spoilers. I'm in every spoiler discord or Twitter or anything <laughs> that exists. I live for spoiler season, so. Uh, so if you want to get up to date info on all the spoilers that are going on, come join our discord Phoenix is in there. And if you want to give a little bit more help us out, we greatly appreciate that. Also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can go to Twitter and follow us at sculpty boys, B O I S. Or if you want just the easy way to find us, there's a, 
a direct link in the link tree in the description below. And want to also give a shout out to everybody who already supports us. You guys are great. You guys are the lifeblood of the Mind Sculptors. Uh, quick shout out to some of the people who follow us and support us already. Uh, people like Hal from uh, the uh, Spellseekers. He supports us. People like Artie, Blazer, DJ Yavamaya, Harry from Moxfield, all sorts of people like that. We greatly appreciate all of you. Thank you for your uh, support and, uh, you know, great episode. Any final thoughts from you too? I think that thinking about the format and where it's at is, is always a good thing. And it helps us to kind of put a, you are here kind of sticker on the map right. to get us to uh, be able to measure the health of where things are and strategize about things that we can do to improve and banning is is just one thing and it is often not the best thing right so yeah and i was going to say that if you are having problems with any of these cards feel free to talk to your play group and ask people to not play with them use your rule zero conversation and ask people to play different decks if you're having issues with them and if they won't We'll come to us. We'll help you figure out how to how to beat those beat those cards. Well, that about wraps things up from all of us here at the Mind Sculptors. I'm Callahan. Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time. I'm in line with the stars. I'm in sync with the earth. Ten toes deep, flower child from the turf. I never switch sides. Like even when I die, I'm a ride for the squad. Let our ties in the hearse. I've been on a vibe, kind of hard to describe. I'm in between. I'm good and it's fine, but I'm tired of the grind. Then I come alive in the night to realize I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I'm never so packed for the stack, never lied on the back, got a bag from the way that I write it. Queen looking Tyson, do that I survived, doing 80 to the house, then I hit it to the sky, changed haters on a tirade. Talking to the grip in the face, be still, let that hate stuff fade. We all want the same, we all want a meal in the safe, I want to live like I'm trying to be enlightened. Just spill from my lips, feel bent from the bit, take a sip till I pass out. Try and get grip, but it don't make sense. Cause you can lose life on this fast route. Yeah, turn thoughts to a cash cow. I might flip that to the glass house. I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase. I just wanna eat, save a spot at the table. Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map. You long with the wind, but we knowing that it's cap. Five hour flights, couple nights at the flat. To be real, could you see me making moves while I'm at? I'm still on the grind, limit time when I chat. Burn it down, sage, keep the demons away. When I ready, give a piece of myself to the Yeah. Do it at me, old man. Trying to pass interfere. You're the first one to talk, but the last one to hear. I-